Um, thank you, worship team. Thank you, Matt. Um, that was amazing. Welcome, Shane and family. Good to see you guys. <laughs> um, hello, Sarah. <laughs> so, um, Matt and I, you would, I'm sure, noticed that we were missing last week. Thanks, James. Um, we were down in South Carolina um, having a great time with some church leaders from around the country and other parts of the world, which was yeah, so good to get away and get, um, get refreshed and get prayer and, um, and meet God. Um, I think Tyler did a really good job preaching. So. Um, any criticisms can be sent privately to me. Normally, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, people are really good at you know, with their bike. I mean, I haven't heard anything, so yeah, it's really good. Um, so, so we are, I think, we, we're actually slowly moving towards the end of our series on abiding. Um, I don't know if we have the slides on Jackson, so I'm sure everyone knows what we're doing. Um, we've been, since uh, January, we've been talking about abiding and we've been talking about being activated um, by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. Um, before I go any further, is anyone here for the first time tonight? Any first timers? Welcome. Welcome. Um, so apologies that you landed the series that started in January. Um, uh, I hope you certainly at least has, has some, something good in it. Um, so, you know, the, the obvious thing to, to say is that I have some confidence that, that we kind of move to the end of the abide portion, but we're going to be pressing more explicitly into the activation section. All right, so we're going to be talking more about the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be talking more about the gifts of the Spirit, and what that looks like for us to live out of abiding. Uh, I know several of you have been doing the ministry training with Matt, um, so hopefully that your service will kind of tie into that as well. Um, if you have a church background where things of the Spirit were not taught on, or, or maybe were kind of suspect, um, stick with us, because the Holy Spirit is only good, and the gifts of God are only good. Okay, and we'll, and we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. Um, but obviously, abiding is, uh, it's not a sermon series, is it, Mick? It's a, it's a lifestyle, you know? Um, and so don't hold it against me if after a few weeks or months I start preaching on abiding again because we've started to forget, okay? Um, or just me. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what the Lord does. So tonight, um, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in the context of abiding. You know, if, if any of you have ever prepared a sermon and you get a topic like, well, I'm just going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and you start to prepare it, and there's this vast landscape that opens up in front of you, and it's incredibly intimidating and daunting, and you go, where on earth do I go with this book? Um, but I really understand in just talking about abiding, um, and just the spiritual role in that. And I just want to share some scripture, um, and then and then we're gonna pray together. Um, at the end of my at the end of my talk, or sometime in my in the sermon, I'm gonna tell you that God's intention for us is not to intellectually understand the Holy Spirit. His intention was for us to meet Him, and through meeting Him, we would we would come to understand Him. Um, 
And so in some ways it makes little sense to be talking to you, to try to persuade you about that expert, but really what you need to do is experience it. But um, I'm hoping that what I say will just kind of open our hearts, and then, um, and then we'll pray. So um, I was playing this really cool demonstration, uh, and then I thought I might injure myself, so I decided not to. Um, for the non-godliness in the room, okay, as we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about abiding, we think about Jesus' words in John 15, okay, that we are grafted into the vine. Um, so I was going to bring a little tree and you know, do a grafting, uh, or maybe give a listen to it, but I was, I was scared I was going to cut myself or something. Um, but you know, it's, it's a really nice thing that come out of that, you know, the fact that the vine is cut, the fact that the vine suffers, Jesus' suffering, so in order that we can be grafted in. Um, you know, and then you bandage you, you, the, the, the branches attached to the vine and then you bandage the two together um, and then you hope that they take um, and if, um, if you ever went to South Africa and you watched farmers graft vines uh, one of the things that they do is once the, once the branches graft into the vine and they bandage it together and it's holding together nicely they'll take a plastic water bottle if they don't have access to good water sources um, they'll puncture a small hole in it and they'll tie that bottle above the graft. So as the hot African sun comes out and the vine gets scorched, there's this constant drip of life-giving water onto that graft. And the Holy Spirit is like that in our lives. If we're going to abide in Jesus, we're going to be connected to Jesus. We need that life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. He is the one, obviously, when we think about that graft, we think about the, the, the life of Jesus that flows from the vine into the branches and produces the fruit. That is the Spirit as well. He is the life that flows within, but He is also the life that flows around us and protects us and nurtures us as we go through a life which can be challenging, can't it? It can be hard, it can be dry, it can be challenging, and the Spirit nurtures us and protects us and waters us with that presence of Jesus. Now, um, I was I was very blessed to grow up in a charismatic church, but I'm unaware whether it's in sermons or stories I tell in class, hey Cam, that uh, you know some of us grow up in church where the Holy Spirit isn't talked about a lot, and the things of the Spirit aren't talked about a lot, and um, it's not uncommon for for the Holy Spirit to be that forgotten part of the Godhead. Um, I think I'm right, Bill, um, that when James Bill's son used to preach on the Spirit, he used to call him the kind of weird family uncle, the weird uncle in the family. Oh, yeah, that Matt Chandler, he got a great audio clip on that. Well, Matt Chandler. So, which is a great analogy. It's like, we don't really understand, we're not sure what to do with him. We wonder if he's going to show up for Christmas. You know, and we just kind of arrive. Um, yeah, we just come to the family gathering. So yeah, we worship and we get together in the church and we kind of wonder, like, will the Holy Spirit show up? Yeah. Is, he, is he going to turn out today? And sometimes the Holy Spirit can lead to some crazy things happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, you know, I've, I've, I've said this before, but, you know, the thing, another thing about the Holy Spirit um, is that he is such a, he's such an affront to us particularly in the West. He's a front to our desire to understand God intellectually. Because he doesn't always make sense. And he's a front to our desire to be in control. 
We want our faith to be in control. We want to be in control. We want to be in control of God. And the Holy Spirit cannot be controlled. But as I'm going to, as I'm just going to share in the sermon, what I believe God is wanting us to hear really strongly tonight is if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we just, we just won't have Jesus. If we don't have Jesus, we can never abide. And then we are losing so, so much. Um, so a couple of scriptures I want, to, I want to run through. Some of them I'll read, some of them I won't. But you, you, know, you recall that Jesus, when he spoke about the Holy Spirit, he says he is like the wind. That you don't know where he, where he comes from, you don't know where he is going. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I read that scripture and I, I start to have this, this thought that, that he's, yeah, he's unpredictable, he goes where he wants, he's kind of flippant, he's, he's unreliable. And maybe that he, that somehow I need to kind of twist his arm, I need to persuade him. But what can I do? How much can I strive to get him to show up? And I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Um, you know, in Jesus' own life, when, 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 when Scripture tells us, and Jesus tells us, that I didn't do anything that I did not see the Father doing, or I did not say anything that I did not hear the Father saying, Jesus reveals this constant relationship with the Spirit. He's not in some weird, flippant relationship where the Holy Spirit comes in and out and maybe does something, maybe he doesn't. He has this constant relationship. And maybe when Jesus moves, and maybe when Jesus heals, he's seeing the Spirit move, particularly in that moment. But Jesus gives us this model of constant connection. And then, um, the, other, the other image of the Spirit that I love, and it's one that I've, that I've been reflecting on more at the moment, is, is the one that we see at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis. When the Spirit hovers over the water, and then God speaks, let there be light, and light is and let there be land, and land is. And the Spirit hovers over the creation of God. And the more that I've been walking in this journey of abiding over the last few months, the more I've started to, to experience the Spirit in that sense that He is constant. And there may be times where He chooses to make Himself appear more apparent. Or maybe that I... Stop trying to do things my way, and I become more sensitive that I actually encounter him. But that his presence is thick and constant and hovers over the earth. And he's there for us to meet, he's there for us to talk to, and he is there to help us meet Jesus. In John 15, which has been our scripture, I haven't read it again because I know we've read it for months. You guys probably all know it by heart now. But in John 15, Jesus has this reference to the Spirit right at the end. So in verses 26 and 27, Jesus says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit, the Helper, man, it's so hard to understand how we can reject the Spirit when He's so clearly God's idea, He's so clearly Jesus' idea, He is part of the Trinity, obviously, but Him being sent to live in us and Him being sent to help us is Jesus' idea. What more should we need to embrace Him? 
But Jesus says that the helper will be sent from the Father and he will testify of Jesus. That is the Spirit's primary purpose. Now we will pray and we will worship Jesus and we will expect the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Jesus to us. But there's also, there's also a little hint here. Okay, this is just implicit. Um, but, I, but I wanted to share this and maybe it'll, maybe it'll make sense. Um, in verse 15, John 15, 15, Jesus says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants. For a servant, servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now we know in scripture that we are made children of God by Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay, we have that incredible truth. Um, now many of the parents in the room know that you can love your children. You don't always call them your friends. And there's this, there's this dual promise that Jesus gives the disciples. Yeah, they're going to have eternal life and they're going to be one with him and the Father. But he also calls them friends because he has shared with them. And the disciples had that honor that they were able to hear from Jesus and they were taught by Jesus. And he shared the things of the Father with them. And we as, um, and as children of God now, we, we, can, we can take that promise and we can see that promise in Scripture. We can read Scripture and Scripture that is spirit inspired the word of God and we can know what the father is saying we can know what Jesus is saying through scripture but Jesus didn't stop speaking when scripture was written uh, he spoke when he was alive he spoke after his resurrection he speaks now after his ascension he loves speaking to his children and so when we think about this idea of Jesus saying if you you're my friends because I have talked to you and you have heard me. And then we see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in the next chapter of John. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit provides the voice of Jesus, the words of the Father, this little qualification to being his friends, hearing his voice. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. You know, it's always fun preaching when you have a Bible professor in the room, and I have got an Anglican priest as well in the room, so I'm particularly nervous. Um, there's, um, there's a curious scripture, I don't know if you guys, one that you, uh, you maybe find challenging, and again, I'm not going to read it, but just remind us of it, when, when Jesus says that those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Has that scripture ever scared you? Like when I was, at, when I was like 12, 13, I used to think in church, I've ever blessed you, Holy Spirit. Oh dear, I've ever blessed you. Oh dear. And um, that literally used to scare me. Um, but I love the, the interpretation that my priest in, in Cape Town, 
uh, who's a man that, well, I don't know any man who has been more of a friend of the Holy Spirit than, than Richard. Just deeply in love with Jesus. And so close to the Spirit. You know, and, and he preached on this verse once, and, and just to sort of summarize what, what he said, so forgive me not giving the, the full argument. But you know, essentially he argued that it makes no sense for Jesus to say there's something that you can't be forgiven for. It makes no sense for his for the power of his death and resurrection to be limited in any way. That didn't make sense to him. But if we start to see what Jesus said, that the Spirit is eternal life. That if we start to see that it's by the Spirit that we encounter Jesus and we actually know Jesus. Remember Jesus said when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, he separates those that know him from those who do not know him. And Richard said, you know, it makes sense that if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if we deny the Holy Spirit, if we curse the Holy Spirit, then we curse the very way that we have to Jesus. And we cut ourselves off from him. And there's something so powerfully important about us knowing the Spirit and knowing Jesus through the Spirit. And I was glad he preached that because then my fear was broken. But it drew me into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe Maybe you've grown up in a church where the Holy Spirit has been treated like an optional extra. Like worship the Father, worship Jesus, Holy Spirit, we kind of forget about it. And um, I, was, I was thinking about the, the disciples. Um, and I mean, you know, some of you might be watching the Chosen series, which is so cool. You know, it kind of just makes the disciples and their walk with Jesus so, so tangible. Um, and you think about the disciples, you think about these, these men, um, and then about the woman that walked with him as well, that knew Jesus, that heard his voice, that had his teaching, that saw him do miracles, that believed that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Their theology was perfect. They had more experience than anyone else of Jesus himself. And yet there was one thing that Jesus himself couldn't achieve. He couldn't transform their hearts. They could know that he was the Christ, the Son of God. But he couldn't bind them to himself. It takes Pentecost to do that. It takes Pentecost for the disciples to be filled with courage, to have clarity of the nature of the kingdom, to be given power to perform miracles, to truly know what the kingdom is and what it is that Jesus was promising them. Think about Paul, Saul, the persecutor of the church, and he meets Jesus and he's struck blind and he goes into the tower, and then Ananias is sent to him. And you read that scripture, and I read it, and I think, well, it's the Holy Spirit, or is he just a kind of add-on? But God doesn't say to Ananias, go and explain who Jesus is. Go and explain the gospel story. Go and explain why he's wrong. God's instructions are simple. 
Go that his sight will be restored. And tell him. No, sorry. And so that he can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything else. Everything else that flows from Saul becoming Paul to his ministry, to his learning about Jesus, to the transformation of everything that he knew is rooted in that one promise, that one command, that he be filled with the Spirit. And that's what happened, happens when Ananias prays for him. The Spirit isn't an optional extra. So I said, um, we can want to try and intellectually know the Spirit. We can also intellectually try and know Jesus. And I think we can. Like we can know He existed. We can believe that, can't we? We can have faith that He walked and He died and He rose again. All of those things we can intellectually assent to. But if we actually want to know Jesus, then the only way to do that is by the Spirit. The only way to do that is by the Spirit. The Spirit is the presence of Jesus. The Spirit is the reality of Jesus. So, you know, if I, if I say to you, if I ask you the question, is Jesus love? We will say, yes. Wouldn't we? I hope so, anyway. Go on. Yeah. Jesus is love. Okay. What does it mean to, what does it mean to experience love? Have we had this experience? Where we've actually met him, encountered some aspect of Jesus, how would we describe that? Melissa, how do you describe that? Overwhelming? Is it a feeling? Is it an experience? Is it a thought? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> There's all of those things. <laughs> um, when Matt and I went to South Carolina, uh, I, 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 I had the honor of having this, um, this pastor um, pray with me. And it was, it was an awesome prayer. And um, it, was so, it was so crazy that, because um, you know, he prayed with me, um, and all it took for the Holy Spirit to kind of arrive explicitly, so he was there obviously, was simply the words, Jesus, we love you. And as those words, love, came out <laughs> and were spoken, this incredible warmth and peace just settled. And I know that we both experienced it because we both gasped at exactly the same time. It was a physical manifestation 
And it was, it was incredible because suddenly fear had no place and burdens had no place and lies had no place and shame had no place and all these things we could have prayed against and prayed for all just had no place because Jesus was present by the Holy Spirit. And he's not an optional lecture. He brings Jesus to us. Do we get that the whole point of the gospel was that we would know Jesus? We would know him. We would abide in him and we would receive life from him and we would know him. So the more, um, the more I've been preaching about abiding and praying about abiding, and like, as with all of you, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, the more that I've seen that there is no 10-step plan for us to abide, um, but I'm starting to think there is a one-step plan, which is super easy. Well, actually, that's not really but it's super simple. Okay. And that is, that one step is, um, is surrender. And if you weren't sure a few weeks ago, I spoke about surrender. Um, and so I'm not going to go into that. But the, the beginning and the end and the consistency of abiding is, is rooted in surrender. If we'll give up our ways, our needs to be in, need to be in control. Uh, our need to understand. Our need to have intellectual set before we will believe. If we will surrender our time and our preferences, then that's where that's where it begins, and that's where it continues. last fall and we were talking about some supernatural stuff and I was getting some pushback from some of my students um, and someone made a comment, you know, how do you believe this stuff, you know? And I was like, well, I'm the only one in the room with a PhD, you guys. <laughs> so, uh, I've done it lately. And honestly, 
say he's made it really easy. Yeah, I, he's, he's just met me and it's been amazing. But I've had to give up that need to understand. But from next week, um, we're all gonna, I'm going to be speaking more about activation and other people in the church are going to be talking about different spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll, and I'll just say this one thing now. After everything that we've done with Abide. That as we abide, and as we open ourselves up to Jesus, and as we make ourselves available to more of His Spirit, we encounter Jesus and we know Him more deeply. And when you know Jesus more deeply, you can only but fall in love with Him more. And what starts to change is when you start to think about spiritual gifts and you start to think about how the Spirit might use you. And the really simplest example is when, when someone asks you to pray, you are no longer asking Jesus to do something. You're no longer trying to twist His arm to do something. Because you have started to encounter and experience the love of Jesus, you will start to pray with and from the love of Jesus with the full expectation that He will meet this person because He loves Him. And you've started to taste the magnificence and the glory and the wonder of that love. And so I... I, I hope that we can, we can be excited about seeing more of the Lord working through us. But now I want us to pray. If you don't mind. Prayer's good, isn't it? Um, let me just read, let me read this before we pray. This is, uh, as you know, some of you know, I've been reading quite a lot of Andrew Murray, uh, which has been really powerful. I recommend anything he's written. He's writing in the you know, mid-19th century or earlier. And he writes this. If the church will return to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is her strength and her help, and if the church will return to give up everything and wait upon God to be filled with the Spirit, the days of beauty and gladness will return, and we shall see the glory of God revealed among us. And this is my message to every individual believer. Nothing, nothing will help you unless you come to understand that you must love every day, sorry, you must live every day under the power of the Holy Spirit. So guys, I want us to pray, and I want us to pray a simple prayer. This is something we did maybe a year ago or two years ago, I can't remember when we lost it, this bit. I just want us to repent for any way that we have pushed the Spirit away, any way that we grieved the Spirit. And then we just make ourselves available. Now I'm going to do this as, as the pastor of the house, and I, I know many of you are going to agree with me, 
and I want this to be a communal prayer as well. But this is also a personal prayer. It's about you. And it's about how willing you are to make yourself. How willing will you be before the Father? And just remember what Jesus says, that we have a good Father who will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit. Maybe you need more. Maybe you want a deep revelation. That's between you and Him. So let's pray. Um, I'm just asking to move. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, for we have rejected you. 
unfair. God, I beg you to forgive us. God, we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that it is your, your role, it is your ways to reveal Jesus to us and to reveal the heart of our Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are with us and you are in us. And Father, we receive your forgiveness. We receive forgiveness. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, we declare ourselves available to you, Lord. We want, we want more of your spirit. We want to know you more. We want to hear your voice more. We want to be sensitive to your guiding, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, come and make, come and make your home in us, as you promised. person in this building, each one of your sons and daughters, Lord, you know our hearts. Would you meet us? Lord, whether you do that now, whether you do that in ministry, whether you do that as you're falling asleep, whether you do it in a dream, when you do it when you're just walking to our class or our job, would you meet us? Thank you.